0: How are you doing? Good. I want to welcome those watching in Issaquah and Duval and online as well. It is good uh, to be back. Uh, For those of you who are new around here, uh, one of the things you'll know about me is, uh, and maybe you're like this, uh, is when you're excited about something, uh, you tend to tell people about it, right? It tends to be, I mean, like people are excited about the Seahawks again, it really, I feel like it's Easter because it's almost like the resurrection from the dead, you know? Uh, And so, uh, I mean, and there's guys, uh, I I was out at the gym, and there's guys in the locker room talking smack, oh, this is what Pete Carroll should do, and this is what Marshawn Lynch should do. And, you know, you're looking and saying, Dude, it's like it's as if Pete Carroll was going to call them and say, hey, I need you in the game, you know, <laughs> something like that. Uh, but we get excited, and we like to uh, talk about things. In fact, uh, one lady uh, I saw at Gold's Gym goes to church, and I said, oh, you go here. She said, yeah, you know, you talk about it all the time. And so, I thought I would try it out. When I was in uh, Santa Barbara, I pastored there for a while. And uh, i if you work at Starbucks, please do not listen for the next two minutes. Uh, is I always used to go to Pete's Coffee, and uh, I would hang out at Pete's Coffee all the time and uh, drink my favorite coffee. In fact, I talked about it so much, I kid you not, when I left that church, uh, the local Pete's Coffee catered my going away party for free. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I mean, why? Because everyone from the church started going to Pete's Coffee. No one actually came to know Jesus there, but a lot of people uh, became addicted to caffeine. One of the things that happened that changed my life recently, uh, well, I, let me tell you a little story. Uh, I, I bought a, uh, a razor years ago. It was called the Mach 3. It was great because it had three Blades, And for me, uh, I I grow a beard pretty quickly. Uh, That started when I was eight or nine years old. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I'm part... It's sort of like, you know, that's why I'm excited about the Star Wars movie, because I'm related to Chewbacca, I think. And so uh, I used it for years. I was running out of blades. These blades were uh, pretty expensive, so I was just using the last one for longer than I probably should. And my wife uh, got me a new... uh, a new razor which is called let me get it here if i see if i can uh, get it right it is called the Gillette Hydro 5 5 blades i mean and it has it's like this you know there's so i don't know why it's hydro but it's, it's just like it is so smooth i didn't even think it was shaving and my skin is so soft now. I know some of you want to come up and touch it, don't you? <laughs> but that'd be really weird. And so, uh, but for me, uh, it's when, I, when I'm excited about something, uh, I want to share it. And we're in this series, uh, Regifters. And, and here's the idea, is that we've been given a gift, and we want to share that. And so we're looking at the gifts that God gives us In Jesus Christ, and I think the one of the biggest gifts that we have is a commodity that can be in short supply, and that's the gift of hope. We all have have had hope for a season, and then sometimes we lose hope. Maybe you uh, got engaged, and you know there's uh, great uh, excitement, and then something happens. And the engagement ends. I, I read that 50% of engagements end, which, if you're engaged, is probably not really good news. You <laughs> probably should have come another weekend. So the, uh, uh, but we, but we'll have hope. We have hope in a in a job, and then all of a sudden that job, it, it sort of doesn't go so well. You get a bad review or a crazy boss, and you go into a tailspin. I've talked to people who have found hope in 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 faith and they in God and would say they feel like they've lost it and maybe maybe it was a confused faith a cluttered faith a lackluster faith or a misplaced faith i uh, have been reading uh, coming up to the christmas season some of the prophetic passages uh, about Uh, the coming of the Messiah that we find in the Bible. And so we're going to spend most of our time in the book of Isaiah. But before we get there, if you'll take your outlines out of your program, we're going to look at uh, the passage that really has been our pivot passage for this series. The Apostle Paul writes this, Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And, and really what he's saying is live a life of faith and hope. Isaiah, he's writing uh, hundreds of years before uh, Jesus was born, about six, 700 years. And he's writing to a people who have uh, really been beaten down. They've lost their hope along the way. And Isaiah says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. What he's basically saying is that there's hope for you. Now, if you look in the book of Isaiah and elsewhere in the Bible, you'll notice that he uses the word light a lot, for light and darkness. And when he uses the word light, uh, it's often speaking to the hope of the coming of the Savior, that there would be a real hope because people, uh, their lives felt sort of dark and they were downcast. Uh, And uh, we can be that way as well, where we can feel like, ah, we're just sort of in a rut and we can't get out of it. If you read the Christmas story in uh, the Gospel of John, and you, you might say, Is there a Christmas story in the Gospel of John? Well, uh, it's different than Matthew and Luke, where we find the narrative about Jesus' birth and, and all that uh, we see there uh, about Mary and Joseph in a manger. And John, what he does is he gets the heaven's perspective on the birth of Jesus the cosmological perspective of what God was doing. Not the details of what happened, but what it means on a big, deep, and spiritual level. And so, uh, we read this in John 1, 1 through 5. It says, "...in the beginning was a Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning." Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And there it's talking about Jesus, the the term word, Logos, is the the incarnate uh, Savior, Messiah. And how He would bring light to some of the darkest places in our world and in our hearts. Well, before we see how God does that and how we're called to be re-gifters of that, I think the question is, uh, why do we lose hope? And the interesting thing, if you look at Isaiah as he prophesies, as he tells about this Messiah that's going to come, the issues that he addresses are in some ways very specific, but in some ways very broad as well. He, he gives uh, this, this statement he says, Jerusalem staggers and Judah is falling. He's basically saying, things are absolutely terrible. Well, why, uh, why do we lose hope? Well, he, he says there's financial stress. That was one of the reasons. Uh, is that just for, you know, a couple thousand years ago, or is that for today? He, he says, your silver has become dross, and your choice wine is diluted with water. And for some of you are saying, the wine went bad? That is awful, you know? (laughs) What he's basically saying is uh, uh, there was hyperinflation in that time, uh, that things weren't worth uh, what they used to be worth, and uh, they felt that stress. Now, I've talked to people who… Now, Seattle, as we know, in this area, we have one of the best economies uh, in the whole country, and so a great place to live But when you lose uh, your job, it still can be difficult. I've talked to people who are in a point of uh, career transition, and that stress can just feel uh, overwhelming. Or maybe you uh, went to college, and you had a lot of fun, and there were those loans that were going to come due someday. And then today is that day, (laughs) and you're saying, okay, there's a lot of financial stress. Do you know what causes me financial stress? Uh, I have a wife and two daughters, and when I hear these fateful words, we're going shopping. And so I ask the question, what are you going shopping for? And then it's like, that's a stupid question, I guess. They're like, no, we're just going shopping. So, we're just going to, which means we're going to spend until we're full, you know, <laughs> something like that. Uh, actually, my... uh wife, something interesting happened. Just this last week, uh, my daughter uh, was coming home for Christmas break uh, from college in Arizona, and I'm talking to her. I call her on the phone, and I said, what are you doing? And she said, I decided to go shopping uh, on the way down to the airport, because I think that's an important thing to do when you're picking up someone from the airport. And so, uh, she was down there at Nordstrom Rack, and uh, we're talking, we're having a conversation, it didn't even seem right, and she goes, uh, I have to hang hang up, there's a gunman out front. And I say, honey, and she just hangs up. And I'm like, yeah, she didn't mean that. So, I went back to uh, watching television uh, for a while, and uh, then I thought, "Was there? Is it like a gunman? Like, you know how there's fire sales? Was this a gunman sale or something like that? And uh, uh, so, I, I call her up, and a little bit later, and she goes, Yeah, they herded us all to the back of the store because there was a guy out front with a gun. And she said, By the way, the clearance deals back there were awesome. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> she didn't say that, but she could have. It's realistic. And uh, I said, Well, I just called because I was, I was praying for you the whole time. <laughs> no. uh, but uh, it, it was, you know, the moral of that story is, right? don't shop. That's the moral of that story. (laughs) You know, we have these stresses that we have. One is political turmoil. Uh, In their day, uh, you know, I'm ready for the election to be over, and the primaries haven't begun right now. Uh, But think about internationally as well. It says, your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. I I have been praying uh, more than ever before, I mean, just what's happening in our world uh, with terrorism in, uh, for, in, in Lebanon, in Mali, in France, and now in San Bernardino, and, and so many other places just in the last couple months. And there can be this sense of, are things spinning out of control? Does God even notice? Will God be involved, and will God be involved in my behalf? Now, that's what they were thinking back then, and I think we think the same thing now. There's also relational strains. Uh, We see that. See, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, who was the king of Babylon, had, had taken over Israel, and they were actually taking families into captivity. And the leaders who were supposed to be doing something weren't doing anything. And Isaiah says, They don't defend the cause of the fatherless. Uh, The widow's cause does not come before them. And then there's obviously another uh, reason we lose hope, and that's sin and guilt. And and, and it can be uh, sin. There's sin from outside of us or sin from inside of us. Isaiah says, Woe to the sinful nation. A people whose guilt is great. This has been a pretty encouraging message so far, hasn't it? (laughs) Now, I gave broad categories, but I know I could get real specific, and so could you. And uh, it may be someone who's not going to be around the table uh, this Christmas, Maybe you're not invited to it. Could be a loved one who's uh, passed away. Could just be the sense of, God, where are you in my life? And and see, these are the things that weigh down deep into our soul. And And you think about maybe something in your own life that's caused you to lose hope. And here's my contention, if God can't meet you in that place, then He's really not God. But here's something else I want you to consider, that God's plans for you in a moment of strain and stress and His solution will never be usually according to your agenda or timetable. It's really His plan for you. Because if He does does know us, if He knows the future, and He loves you, He would do the best not only for you in this moment, but for you in this life, and for you for eternity. And see, that's what Isaiah uh, talks about. Uh, he, He talks about that that's what God's plan was then, And that's what God's plan is for us now. Isaiah says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So how does Jesus show up? How does God give the gift of his son? And that give us hope, the kind of hope that we can give to others as well. Really, how does Jesus bring hope during troubled times? Uh, That's what we're looking at. Well, uh, the first thing He does is He shows me uh, a preferred future. Uh, We read in the passage uh, here, It says, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now, it's not really hard. (laughs) When you live in Seattle in the winter it's not hard to imagine deep darkness because that happens, what, around 3.45 every day? <laughs> sort of like, for those of you from a Catholic tradition, I guess this counts as purgatory for you. <laughs> uh, but There's that, that darkness, that malaise that can really hang over someone's life. And what Jesus will often do in that moment, sometimes He'll deliver, deliver us from that, but sometimes what Jesus will do They say, hey, I want to show you what I have for you. I want to show you the future I have for you. And that, see, in my darkness, I would imagine that God would have no time for anyone uh, except for people who have it all together. Because of maybe darkness in my own heart. But then I see Jesus, and Jesus hangs out with Sinners, He hangs out with people who are the least religious, but maybe the most open. And in fact, there's a, there's a misconception that people will have, both Christians and non-Christians, that, uh, well, I'm, you know, I swear I'm sinful or I live this way that I think God doesn't approve of, and so God doesn't want to have anything to do with me. God will be as close to you as you are open to him. And if you have a, say, God, I want to know you with my whole heart. I want you, I, I know you know me warts and all. That God will be incredibly close to you this moment in this season. See, in uh, my darkness of my heart, I would uh, believe that, that I'm just the sum of my problems. And God says, no, you're more than the sum of your problems. You're a loved child. And so maybe the thing that you would just pray to God and say, God, can you let me see me like you see me? Some of us were raised in religious environments where it was, you know, you had this image of God that you really need to unlearn. And maybe even read through the Gospels, John and Luke and Matthew in the Bible and, just, and, and Mark and just see how Jesus interacted with people like you and me and the future. There's a story of a, 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 in the Bible of a woman who was uh, caught in the act of adultery. I don't know how you catch someone in the act of adultery. <laughs> and by the way, we don't know what happened to the guy either, so sort of a double standard going on there. And the religious leaders of the day, they were cast in rocks and, and were going to throw a stoner to death. And Jesus says, You who are without sin, you've, you cast the first stone. And, and in that story in the Bible, it says that Jesus was writing something in the dirt. He was drawing in the dirt. We don't know. People hypothesize. It could have been all the people who were going to throw the stones. He was writing the names of all the things they've done bad. And afterwards, they disperse. And then Jesus, the interesting thing is, he says, who's condemned you? She said, no one. He says, neither do I condemn you. And she probably felt like, I'm off the hook. And he says, and now go and sin no more. And what he's basically saying is, you don't have to live like this anymore. I've got better for you. Well, He brings my problems into perspective. Uh, That's something else that we see. It says in Isaiah 9.3, it says, uh, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. I I saw uh, a movie recently, I saw the movie Creed, uh, one of the Rocky movies. Any of you remember the Rocky movies? Like, he gets out there, uh, you know, in this movie, uh, it's Apollo Creed, his nemesis become friend, it's his grandson, and he rescues Sylvester Stallone from the convalescent center. No, it should have been that, but I mean, it's like, because he's like 180, I'll tell you, but he still could take me on any day of the week. Uh, But it's interesting, uh, in that movie, uh, there's There's this kid, and basically, he can't can't really see how to get past his problems. And the Sylvester Stallone character in that helps him to see that, and helps him to get some perspective in it. This uh, week was a little bit of a tough one for me. Uh, A friend of mine who spoke here, and I've spoken at his church, Uh, Greg Rollinger, after fighting um, multiple system atrophy for about four years, died on Monday. Uh, He's about five years younger than I am. And uh, it was really hard in in many ways because he was uh, a great friend. Uh, Many of the great things that we've done here, I I learned uh, from him as well. It's interesting, I, we, we, we talked often until he couldn't really talk on the phone for the last year and a half or two uh, because he'd really lost the ability uh, to communicate. Uh, and he had why his wife and kids, and he would go around uh, the country. In fact, he came here early on, and the message that he had was there's value in the struggle. And he talked about facing a disease when the doctors told him that would take his life at an early age. And and he shared his perspective of saying, but this is not all there is. And it's interesting how he leveraged his life to say, if, if you've had problems, hopefully you can relate. But I believe that God, at the end of the day, is really bigger than any of these problems. See, for some of us, when we hit the, the holidays, the holidays blues are, are real. We feel a little bit uh, depressed for one reason or another, or maybe uh, just stressed, Uh, we feel a little bit stressed out during the holidays. Anyone feel stressed out at all around the holidays? Yeah. There's all this stuff to do. Uh, One of the things I had, my blood pressure had started to get a little bit high, and so uh, I tried to do all these things to lower my blood pressure. Uh, I cut out caffeine. I've been off caffeine for four months, uh, which means I'm no fun anymore. (laughs) I cut out salt uh, I lost 15 pounds, which is awesome. Don't worry, it'll be back again next year. <laughs> and, uh, but, but my blood pressure was still a little high, and uh, the doctor said, you need to stop stressing out. And do you know what that caused me to do? Stress out, you know? And you say, well, what, what? in fact, I, it's like Dave Nelson, who spoke here last week, uh, I noticed he was getting gray. And I said, why are you so gray? He said, I'm stressed out. And he said, and he said, and see these gray hairs? I've named each one after someone who goes to my church. <laughs> uh, and it, it's, it's sort of funny, though, is that we can have this incredible sense of stress, and I think it's the myth that if I get worked up enough, I will find a, way, a solution, a way out. Instead of saying, there's a hope for me in Jesus that's greater than I can concoct on my own. Now, now in, in Isaiah, in this passage where it talks uh, about the coming uh, of Jesus, uh, it says this, it says, for as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Now, if you're not really familiar with the uh, Old Testament, you'd say, what in the world is this talking about? It's talking about, Uh, A leader of Israel, a guy named Gideon. And he's he's saying, it's going to be like that. And Gideon was a guy, when God comes to speak to him, miraculously, he literally hides. Uh, He's sort of a a wimpy, weakling guy. And God says, "Uh, you're going to be a mighty warrior, and you're going to deliver my people. And it's interesting, if you read the story, how God whittles down actually the number of people following him, to the point where it would see, seem hopeless. And what God was trying to do is say, I want your hope to be in me. And maybe you find that you're in that place, you're on the whittled down part of life. And God would be calling you, say, will, will you place your hope in me? During uh, Christmas and this season, uh, we're going to have a lot of people come to church in a couple weeks. And uh, it's not that we're not going to fill seats. I think we are going to fill seats. We've grown every year pretty substantially. But my question to you would be, is there someone you know who maybe they even feel like they're religious, maybe they're a member of your own family? And that you would be intentional about sharing hope uh, in Jesus Christ with. Now I know not many of us have the gift of evangelism, but uh, one of the reasons we include every week—you'll see this little—but uh, this one I want to pay attention, uh, you to pay attention to in particular, the, uh, the this card with invitations to the Christmas Eve services, and we're going to have eight services across the three campuses. And I, I would encourage you, this is not just to remind you of when services are, that you would say, I'm going to take that step. Uh, you know, my mom, uh, when after, she, she lived most of her life, she, she was like in a party phase for about 35 years of her life. And uh, she, in her 50s, she came to know Jesus. And she said, you know, uh, she would invite people to, to lunch. And then she would say, oh, by the way, we're going to go to church first. <laughs> and uh, so she'd trick them, you know. There's a lot of people in heaven because of her trickery. <laughs> uh, she used the skills she learned during her party years for Jesus. Uh, so, but I would encourage you, because we're going to have, we have prepared literally for months to have an experience and a very clear expan- explanation of who Jesus is and what it means. Maybe you need that. Maybe you say, I'm not even there yet. But I know one thing is that you can find hope. Well, the third thing we see is that uh, there's uh, a challenges in justice, that Jesus challenges in justice. It's estimated that, sometime, that some, uh, 95% of the suffering in the world really occurs <clears throat> because of people, what we do to one another. And I think that's what God would have us do. In this passage that that we're so familiar with about the birth of Jesus, it says, For to us a son is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end, and he will reign on David's throne, And over His kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. He's saying there will be a day where justice will come. One of the things I'm excited about, I've been working on, uh, many of you know that our primary ministries outside of these walls are, are around the issues of orphans and widows and homelessness and also church planting and evangelism. And one of the projects we're looking at is a project in Bulgaria for Roma girls, uh, who, uh, which you might know is gypsy is what we, people are com- commonly called, but Roma is the proper name, uh, who often have very little value in their society. In fact, often are traded for horses or something like that, and so can be victims of trafficking and all of that. And so we're looking at this incredible opportunity we have to partner and actually buy this old dorm that would be housing for them so that these girls would have hope in a future. And because it's not just about locally, it's globally as well. And I think God wants to do that again and again. You know, during this uh, political season, I don't, I don't preach politics, but, but, but I get uh, I get concerned as well. You know, there's all this uh, talk, especially lately in the news about uh, uh, Muslims and Islam. People say, well, what do you… Th-? See, here's, here's what I believe, I'll t- uh, is that, one, free marketplace of ideas in America. Are you saying, well, are you saying everything's equally valid? No. I believe that it's an inaccurate representation of God and how to know Him in God's plan. We say, well, what do you think about Muslims? I want every one of them to know Jesus Christ and who he is and to be transformed. See, one of the opportunities that we have, whether someone calls themselves a Christian but really isn't a Christ follower or a Muslim or a Jew or a nothing or a, you know, whatever, is to say, let's strip away the religion. And let's just look at who Jesus is and how Jesus can give you hope. That leads to the fourth thing that Jesus does is that He changes with His power. And who does He change? He changes me. It says in Isaiah 9-7, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. And we read back again in John, after he talks about the great cosmic uh, hope that's given in Jesus, he makes it very personal. He says, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And I would say this to you if you're a Christ follower is would you risk taking on the assignment? And here's my, the assignment, and I, I'd encourage you to put a name to it. Say, in two weeks, there's going to be eight services on three campuses, and ask, who am I going to re-gift the gift of hope in Jesus Christ to this Christmas season? Put a name there. And pray one of the things we're going to do as well, another way to do that, is if you go on the Timberlake Church uh, Facebook page, uh, is that just to reshare that too, and that you let people know what's going on. And I believe that God will work in a powerful way. You know, uh, it's been interesting to see the stories of how God works in In people's lives. You you heard a story not too long ago uh, about uh, someone named Katrina, and she came to faith here uh, at Timberlake Church, and uh, then she decided to share that with her brother. And so, uh, one of the things I want to do in the stage team, why don't you come on up and we can go ahead and uh, take this away so we can see it, is... uh, I want you to hear then uh, the story of her brother Robert and how because she regifted that hope, how he found his own hope in Jesus Christ.